Some things are classics, and you just can't improve on the classics. And so today, we're going to start the sermon with one of the classics. Isn't there anyone who knows what Christmas is all about? Sure, Charlie Brown. I can tell you what Christmas is all about. Lights, please. And there were in the same country shepherds, abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them. And they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you, you shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. That's what Christmas is all about, Charlie Brown. I love this clip. One of my favorite parts of it, and you have to watch really closely because it happens pretty quickly, is when Linus says that the angel says, fear not, Linus drops his blanket. That was his security blanket. And it's pretty amazing that in that moment, when he hears the Christmas story, when he tells the Christmas story, he realizes that that can cause him not to have to fear. I wonder, if we truly understood Christmas, how that would affect what we worry about and what we're afraid of. I mean, what's your blankie this Christmas? One of the things that I love about the clip too is just the ordinariness of peanuts. It's a bunch of kids coming together doing a Christmas pageant. And in the middle of the Christmas pageant, they suddenly get what is really going on with the story of Christmas. The shepherds are pretty ordinary too. They're just doing ordinary shepherd stuff that kind of picks up where we were last week. We're looking for God to do something extraordinary with extraordinary people. But God keeps just doing extraordinary things with ordinary people. And no matter what your mother and I think of you, you're, most of us really aren't that extraordinary. You're, we're just normal people doing normal stuff. We're trying to love God and to love people, which I guess is kind of extraordinary in its own way. And it's one of the great things about how we can enter into this passage is it's just about ordinary people doing ordinary things. The shepherds, they're just normal folks, but they also belong to a special category of normal folks. They belong to a category of outsiders, particularly important in this story. I mean, you've got this carpenter, you've got a poor girl, you've got the magi who are Gentiles, completely other, and then you've got shepherds who were not on the top of anybody's social list. And now we begin to fill up the manger scene with just ordinary people and outsiders. So who's welcome 
at the Christmas story based on this character list? And I guess the answer is, who needs the Christmas story? Everyone who needs the great news of great joy that there is a Savior, that God is reaching out, that there won't always be a mess, that there is hope, everyone who needs that, even the outsiders, even the lowly people, even the normal folks are welcome. That's the stunningly good news of the gospel. We live in a world where insiders and celebrities and captains of industry get treated differently from the rest of us, and they have different opportunities than the rest of us do. But the gospel, God's favor, hope, joy, peace, it's for ordinary folks. You may not be able to get into the club of the moment, you may have to fly commercial instead of on somebody's private plane. You might not get preferential treatment. You might not get the chocolate on Alaska Airlines. But the gospel is for you. And huge shout out here to Ben Yeager. Because after I talked about how I wanted the chocolate on Alaska Airlines, he took a number of them and wrapped it all up really nicely with raffia and gave it to me as a gift. So Ben is like Jesus. Here, Michael, you don't deserve the chocolate, but I'm going to give it to you anyway. So let that be the takeaway from the sermon. Ben is like Jesus. Be like Jesus. In verse 8, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. There were shepherds who were doing shepherd stuff. They showed up to work that day. They were just being faithful in the everyday stuff of life. The shepherds went to work that day. Did they expect anything extraordinary to happen? I, I doubt it. Nothing extraordinary ever happens. That's why we call it extraordinary. Were they open to something extraordinary happening? Well, that's the question, isn't it? Mary was open to something extraordinary happening. Joseph was open to it. The Magi were open to it. They were even looking for it. Did the angel just hunt around for some rando and make that announcement? I doubt it. I think God knew their hearts. And I think God said to the angel, go to those people over there. They're open. If God had an announcement, if God had a ministry opportunity, and he was looking up and down your block, would he send the angel to you? Would he say, go to them. They're open. They'll say yes. Megan has a new job this year working with community and schools. And one of the fun parts about it is the difference that she makes in kids' lives. Sometimes she's collecting food, sometimes she's collecting clothing, and during this Advent season, she's been collecting Christmas gifts, stuff that most of us take for granted, clothes, toys, you know, Christmas dinners. And she's just been overwhelmed by the number of people who are like, we would love to help. And a number of you have helped with that and with other things. There's a lot of people who are open, who are looking for ways to help. And it happens for all the time around here. This last week from the women's Christmas uh, deal, we were able to give $500 each to all of our female missionaries because you wanted to help. We raised money and collected gifts to thank and encourage middle school teachers. It's kind of our posture around here. It's kind of the posture of Jesus' followers to be open, to want to help. And then in verse 9, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, 
and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Of course, the first thing the angel says is, do not be afraid, because that's what angels say. And then Luke notes, the glory of the Lord shone around them. I don't want to make too much out of this, but I do want to note it. In the book of Ezekiel, which is one of the strangest books in the Bible, um, in the Old Testament, there is a picture of God actually departing the temple in Jerusalem. The, the presence of God, the glory of God, which has dwelt with his people, picks up and Ezekiel watches it leave. And it's gone. And now in this story, all of a sudden, it's back. The glory of God comes back to his people. One of the names that's given to Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us, God's glory among us. I think it's a pretty cool point. And then God adds an exclamation point in verse 13. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. And then there comes an action point. There's always an action point. Verse 15. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. The shepherds get this great announcement from the angels, but then they have to do something about it. God had a plan and a purpose for them. He announces the salvation of the world to these shepherds. So they know about it, but now they have to actually do something. They have to get over the inconvenience factor, and they have to leave their flocks. There's a lot to be said for knowing what the most important thing is at a particular time. The shepherds realize that there is something more important right this very moment than the sheep. And this is not necessarily about shirking your responsibilities. I mean, the sheep were probably in a walled area. They were probably pretty safe for the night. This is about recognizing the most important thing that needs to be done. There are always potential dangers for sheep. It's the bummer of being lower on the food chain. The garage will always need to be straightened up. There's always some family obligation that needs to be met. There's always something else that could be done but usually, there's only one really important thing at a time. And God bless the people who are able to focus on the important thing that needs to be done right then. And so the shepherds go. And what do they see? They see what the angel had promised. They see that God is faithful. They see that God can be trusted. Why is that important? Because after this scene is over, they're going to go back to being shepherds. They're going to go back to the ordinariness of everyday life. But they will always, always have this moment to hold on to when God revealed something to them and then was faithful to what he had promised. 
This is an act of faith that it's rewarded. It's not like doubting Thomas who said, I won't believe unless I see, not at all. The angels tell the shepherds to go. It's faith that sends them off to see what God is doing. And then after they have been, after they have seen, after they know that God is faithful, what do they do? Well, they tell other people. Verse 17, they spread the word. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about the child. They tell the story. It's not an evangelism outline. It's not the four spiritual laws. Not that there's anything wrong with any of those things, but they just tell what they saw. Somebody was telling me the other day about a coincidence in their lives, and they're like, it could only have been God. It was just like this miraculous thing. And then they said, and there have been a number of times in my life where something like that happened. It could only have been God. They tell the story of how they've seen God at work. And the result of that, verse 18, is that everyone was amazed. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. God entrusts the message of the gospel to the shepherds first. And this is one of the first transformation stories in the New Testament. Everyone was amazed at what the shepherds said. Nobody liked shepherds. Nobody trusted shepherds. This might be the first time in their lives where they were ever accepted and trusted. This might be the first time anybody ever even invited them into their house. This might be the first time anyone ever listened to them. Lives changed because of Christmas is already happening right at the beginning of the story. They were just doing shepherd stuff. They got up and they went to work that day. And so do you. Day after day, you do what needs to be done. You're kind to people, you hold the door open for folks, you try not to cut people off on the freeway, you're seeking to love God and to love people. You're just faithful in everyday life. And sometimes God shows up. This story is for the ordinary folks who are making a difference in small ways and sometimes big ways just by being faithful. I think a lot of times faithfulness is underrated. Faithfulness in marriage is the foundation of marriage. If you can't be faithful to one another, what kind of relationship do you have? Faithfulness is important in marriage. Faithfulness is important in friendship. Ecclesiasticus says, a faithful friend is a strong shelter. Whoever has found one has found a treasure. Faithfulness to our word is the building block of relationships that we have, that we have with people. If you're faithful to your word, people can trust that you will do what you say you will do. I've noticed that a lot of people can be trusted to do what they say they will do unless something else comes up. Anyone who's ever tried to throw a party knows this is true. It's really easy to just look at the ordinariness of your life, the ordinary faithfulness that you're showing towards your spouse, to your friends, to following through on what you said that you would do, and feel like you're not really accomplishing anything. You're just being faithful. But I can't tell you how often I'm blessed by someone just doing their job just showing up faithfully. 
God has entrusted so many things to us, so many things to you that just require daily faithfulness. And you just never know how God is going to use you in the ordinariness of it all. What if the shepherds hadn't been paying attention? They were keeping watch. They were being faithful. They could have been asleep, but they weren't. And that changed everything. What do you need to be doing? How do you keep watch? I mean, maybe it's as simple as going, God, I'm going to watch soccer practice right now, but I'm keeping watch. I'll be looking for you. It could be you'll find God in the person experiencing homelessness. It could be you'll find God in the coworker that is uncharacteristically quiet. It could be you'll find God in an opportunity with the dad in the stands who doesn't know anyone. This last year, at the beginning of the COVID um, shutdown, we had a guy who ended up living in the back of one of our sheds here on our campus. Discovered it one day, I was out there, and I realized that somebody had built something into the, one of the walls of our sheds back there. And I met a dude named Charles, who was down in his luck, had a lot going uh, on in his life, and just needed a place to be for a few days. I mean, it wasn't hurting anything, so we let him stay. And other people found out he was there. And some people, made dinner for him and stopped by and brought him dinner. Other people found out that he needed to get something from the store and they gave him a ride to the store. Other people dropped by and talked to him and prayed for him. And eventually when it came time for us to have Charles move along to the next place, he did it willingly because we had loved him. We had cared for him. We had given him dignity. There's all these opportunities that crop up. Now, I'm not saying that, you know, somebody's squatting in your backyard, that that's what you need to do. But for us, this was just an ordinary thing that God used, we hope, in Charles's life. All opportunities from God to be taken by people who are just doing ordinary things, looking for God in the little stuff, the daily stuff. Faithfulness is frequently found in the little things. Luke has this great line, actually it's Jesus' line, but Luke records it later on in chapter 16, verse 10, where Jesus says, whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. Sometimes we look too hard for the extraordinary, I think. The shepherds were just doing what they knew to do. And sometimes we can get paralyzed by indecision. You know, God, what are the great things that you have for my life? And then we miss God calling us to be, just be faithful in the daily living in our lives. Sometimes we just need to do something, get the car moving, and then allow God to steer it. If you're motivated by the love of God and love for your neighbor, you're probably safe in whatever action you choose to do. Watching sheep, going to work, helping others, being kind, sharing hope, that's all the ordinary work of the people of God. It calls us to be faithfully and sometimes we'll use in extraordinary ways. So let me ask you three questions. What are some of the ordinary things that God has entrusted to you? Number two, what is one area of your life 
in which you may have missed God's presence. Number three, if the heavenly hosts were to show up in the sky above your house tonight, what do you hope they would say to you?